Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working away right now through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 491, looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 through 15. Let's read our passage. I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need, in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. This is 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that Paul is sending to Corinth. Titus is going to carry the letter there. Titus has just returned to Paul from Corinth and gave a report on what things are like there after Paul sent his tearful letter, where he laid it out after his disastrous visit that he made earlier, in which there was much opposition seems to have resolved itself for the most part. There's still some people who have not fully accepted Paul's authority and and teaching. So he's trying to restore relationship with those. He's dealt with the issues of his apostolic office and calling and ministry. Now he's dealing with things they need to deal with, preferably deal with before he comes. And the thing he's dealing with here in this section, chapters 8 and 9, is the collection. This is a collection that he's taken up amongst all the churches, and it's a relief collection to carry back to Jerusalem for the poor people in Jerusalem. And you might ask, well, what's so special about the poor people in Jerusalem? There's poor people everywhere. Well, I think there's a lot of poor people in Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem's just a special case. It's the center of Judaism. And so many of the early Christians were Jews. And so many of the people who've come to Jerusalem have come to Christ. Just remember the Jewish mindset of that time period is uh, a lot of people who lived in the Greek world as Jews would want to come to Jerusalem in order to live out their final days there and die in Jerusalem because it was just extra special to be buried in Jerusalem. Remember, there's a conflict between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed there would be a future resurrection. Sadducees did not. But the Pharisees were the ones who controlled the local synagogues, while the Sadducees controlled the temple in Jerusalem. So most people were really taught by the Pharisees. And most of the your average Jew believed there would be a future resurrection. And it would begin at Jerusalem. So that was the mindset of it's better to go in your old age to Jerusalem and die there, be buried there, 
in order to be prepared for the future resurrection. So there were probably a lot of elderly Jews in Jerusalem, and many of them came to Christ. So you've probably got a disproportionate amount of elderly Christians with no family nearby to take care of them in the church of Jerusalem. Acts chapter 6, uh, what we generally look to as the origin of the deacon ministry, the whole issue was taking care of the Greek widows. That is, those Jews who had come to Jerusalem from the Greek world but were now widows and didn't have anybody to take care of them. So the church was taking care of them. And so I think there's a disproportionate number of poor Christians in Jerusalem. Plus, when you're in an area of persecution, and we talked about this last time with the churches of Macedonia, why their generosity was so noteworthy was that they were in poverty. The area of Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, were not poverty-stricken areas, but the churches were under persecution. And when you're persecuted, you tend to lose your livelihood. When you're ostracized from society, it's hard to really have a steady source of income. So that's why there was probably a lot of poverty in the church in Macedonia. So their generosity was noteworthy. Doesn't seem to be the case in Corinth. Probably just because they're not under a lot of persecution from the world itself. We saw a little bit of that in the book of Acts when Paul was in Corinth. So let's dive into it. Chapter 8, starting in verse 8. He says, I'm not saying this as a command. Saying what? Saying to give. Remember, we ended last time, verse 7, where he says, Excel also in this act of grace. So he talked about what was going on in Macedonia, how generous they were, even though they didn't have the ability to give. They gave beyond their ability to give. And this was an act of grace. So he challenged them to, just as they are excelling in spiritual giftedness, they should excel in this act of grace of giving to this collection for the poor people in the church in Jerusalem. So, verse 8, I'm not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. Okay, by means of the diligence of others. Well, I'm comparing you to the church in Macedonia. Wow, look what they are doing. Don't you think you could too? And it says, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. Well, just remember, this is all translated, so we would probably say it differently, use the different words. But I think what he means to say is, what you do with this collection shows the genuineness of your love. And if you really want to show that your love for others is genuine, then naturally you're going to do this, like the Macedonians did. Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Well, his point here, the imagery he's using here, is that Jesus, who is rich, God the Son, became poor, that is, came to earth, lived as a person, and died a horrible death for others. And the challenge is, will you not do something sacrificial for others? And it says, by his poverty you became rich. By his poverty, meaning his death, you became rich. I think he's speaking of spiritual riches here. Salvation, the spiritual riches. The righteousness of God, spiritual riches 
spiritual gifts, which he hinted at back in verse 7. So all those things, you become rich in a spiritual sense based on Christ's self-sacrifice for others. And that is a model to emulate. And verse 10, and in this matter, I'm giving advice. Let's pause there. He's giving advice, not a command. A command would be, God told me to tell you, or God has told us all. But thus saith the Lord. That's the command. So just because it's not a command from God doesn't mean Paul isn't going to be kind of heavy-handed on this, saying, hey, come on, guys, this is the right thing to do. So in this matter, I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. That's worded kind of awkwardly, but we just kind of break it down. So he's, I'm giving advice, and this is something that's good for you. You who began last year, so we talked about this last time. This, this all started sometime a year or so ago, and Titus was the one who was instrumental in starting it. So I think Titus was probably there before he ever delivered the tearful letter. Titus was there starting the collection. Now, we talked other places about this collection. The idea of this collection was that people would set aside a little bit on a regular basis so that it wasn't just walk in, pass the hat around, everybody gives what they can today, but you can systematically, over a long period of time, set something aside and thereby have a whole lot more than you would on a one-time basis. So Paul sent word to him to start this collection a year ago. And the whole point being to keep setting aside to make a, a big gift to the church in Jerusalem. So he began last year, not only to do it, but also to want to do it. The key here is the desire. They weren't doing it out of compulsion. A year ago, they, they wanted to do this and, and started to do it. And that's the proof of their love, is that it was voluntary. So he talked earlier about, up in verse 8, about testing the genuineness of your love. Well, this is passing the test, is they desired to do this. Verse 11, now also finish the task. So you started it a year ago. I don't know exactly why, but for some reason they dropped the ball on completing this collection whether it had to do with this uproar of uh, opposition to Paul and the tearful letter and the rough visit that Paul had in 1 Corinthians. All that seems to have derailed this collection. So, verse 11, now also finish the task. You started a year ago, finish it. So that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. So, you wanted to do it a year ago. What changed? assuming nothing changed as far as your desire. Something just got in the way. So get, get back on board and finish this task. He says, according to what you have, he just gave the example of the churches in Macedonia who gave beyond their ability. They really were exemplary in what they gave. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to give beyond your ability. I'm not saying to do that. You give based on what you have. In verse 12, For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So these use the heart. 
The issue is the generosity of the heart and the compassion for others, not the actual amount of the gift. And it's based upon what you have and, and how much you give will then be an outflow of the status of your heart. That's the point, the eagerness. Verse 13. It's not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it's a question of equality. So the goal is not to make the people in Jerusalem better off than the people in Corinth. That's not the point. It's for you to give everything you have so they can live in the lap of luxury and you can suffer. No, you, actually, you guys are pretty well off. So the point is for you to give something of what you have so they aren't starving to death. So the question of quality. Verse 14. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. There's some different ideas about what exactly this means. The first part is pretty plain. At the present time, right now, your surplus is available for their need. So you guys have a surplus. You guys are wealthy by standards of the world in which you live. So it's absolutely easy for you to give to support the church in Jerusalem. So out of your surplus, yes, you can meet their need. But the second part, so that in their abundance may in turn meet your need in order to maybe equality. Some say he's talking about, and if the situation was turned around to where you were hurting and they had more than they needed, they would help you. And that's equality. You help them, they help you. Others say, no, you're really talking more of a spiritual level here. You're going to help them materially, but they are going to help you spiritually. They are a place of origin of Christianity. They are a, a church which is very actually spiritually deep, and they will pray for you. They send out missionaries to help you. So they are going to be a spiritual source of resources for you. And so that's how they're going to help you. That's the point of equality, where you're going to help them materially, they're going to help you spiritually. I'm not sure I know which way to, to take it there, but I, I think I could go along with the idea of they're going to help you spiritually. In verse 15, as it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. This is a quote from Exodus, Exodus 16, 18. This was the gathering of the manna. The people were uh, starving, complaining they didn't have enough to eat, and God provided the manna that would just appear like the dew in the morning, and people go out and gather it up. And so it says, as in the gathering of it, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. So it really didn't matter how much of it you gathered up. You went out and you were supposed to gather a certain amount, you know, a basket full, small basket, that would be enough for the day. And if you kept it, you gathered up too much and kept it overnight, it would be moldy and full of maggots the next day because you couldn't keep it. The Lord would only provide what you needed for that day. Now, I think the, the point he's making here is there is enough for, for everyone, and God has provided enough for everyone. The way he's done that in the current time is. He has given some people more than they need, actually. 
and that can be used to help those who have less than they need. Paul's calling on the church to get back on board with collecting of this collection that he's going to take to Jerusalem to help the poor people in the church in Jerusalem. He's given them the example of the people in Macedonia, how incredibly generous they were, just despite the fact that they're in poverty. Whereas you guys in Corinth, you thought this was a good idea a year ago, but you got sidetracked. Get back on board with it. You really have got plenty. And so some of your surplus can be applied to this collection that we're going to take back. Jesus himself is our example. He, who was incredibly rich, became poor. Self-sacrifice for the sake of others. You can provide some sacrifice for the sake of others also. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians.